Hello and welcome back to another episode of We Are Not Movie Critics where we're covering all interesting movie news or TV news from the week. I'm your host James and I'm as always I'm joined by my two lovely co-hosts Mark Wyatt and Will Tucker. Hello. How are you boys getting on? I'm you good? good. I'm not coming next time so I can ruin your as always. Oh my god you're not here next time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably be here next time. I was gonna say you're locked in for life mate. Okay cool. I've got you every every week now until the day you die. <laughs> was that contract in blood like a normal thing? Did I Mark am. do that? Yeah yeah. I'm just here because he called us lovely. Oh. I'd like to drop in like small little compliments just to, to make you feel better. We're covering several news stories today. Uh, we've got a lot to go over, so we'll just start flying through. But just as a little structure for you, we've got some news on the right strike. Spoiler alert, it is over now, so that is going to be really great to talk about. Uh, we've got some Taylor Swift news coming up for any of you Swifties out there. Some Doctor Who news, uh, some Studio Ghibli stuff as well, uh, and a little bit of Lion King and just following out with a little tribute to Michael Gambon as well as he sadly passed away uh, yesterday. I'm going to time code everything down below if you want to jump around, if you're not interested in a particular news story. But um, so, yeah, we're going to get started. Boys, the writer strike. It's over. We did it. We, we did it. Single podcast. <laughs> we brought attention to the issues we of did. the world and rectified them. See, a lot of people like after we released that first episode, they messaged me being like, oh, I had no idea. Like the writer strike was oh, really? even on. So. It's kind of it's kind of good that it's uh it's over now. Obviously, big names as well. I'm assuming like the New York Times and yeah. contacted you. Being like, <laughs> oh, I had no idea. Everyone, everyone's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's James. Be fair. First name basis. <laughs> yeah. We've become we've become a staple in like the UK media now yeah. as well. We're like that's that's big. Bradley Cooper won't stop retweeting. Okay, how much? Are you tweeting Bradley Cooper? I I don't have Twitter. That's a lie. I have I have Twitter and. I made it six Plug years him. ago, and the one post is Taylor Swift. Nice. Um, it's very topical. I like it. my <laughs> face photoshopped over her face on the album cover for 22. Oh. I was 22. <laughs> I was going to say. Um, yeah, someone's just gestured X to me, but refused to adjust to that. So, <laughs> Yeah, it's weird that it's called... They've completely changed it now, haven't they? It's no longer Twitter at all. Um, just pulling it back to obviously the the right strike. It's now become the second largest strike in the wow. union's history. Uh, there was only one in 1988 that was longer. Oh. So it's been 148 days that uh, production has been stopped on so many projects. We've mentioned them before. There's a lot of big names of projects in there. So there's like Stranger Things, The Boys, dozens of movies that have had to shut down production so now 11,500 members they've been authorized to start working again uh, so they can now pitch sell sell scripts and they can take meetings and respond to all of their notes and everything now which is fantastic hopefully they can get exactly what they are deserving in terms of pay and yeah it's the final agreement hasn't been properly decided yet but apparently according to uh, the writers guild of america the resulting initial agreement has been called exceptional exceptional so, yeah so but i feel like they're gonna say that regardless even like if you're in a position of negotiating <laughs> you're probably gonna be like yeah this is great because you're trying to mm -hmm. you spent half a year and you're like yeah. oh no we did something to, don't tell anyone just don't tell anyone it's great it's great <laughs> now we solve that NHS next, and then oh, yeah. then we're done. Margaret Thatcher would be proud. Yeah, I feel like we can get very political on this podcast if we want to. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're a couple minutes in, and we've already yeah. thrown out the Iron Lady. The Thatch. Been... <laughs> we can go. We can go full send. Swifties and Thatchheads. <laughs> Speaking of Taylor Swift, I think like it's probably a good chance to just jump onto that now. Do you wanna? Do you wanna? Yeah, do you wanna lead this one? 
Yeah, sure. As a as resident a, Swifthead. Well, we, we had a conversation. <laughs> resident Swifthead. We had a conversation before on, <laughs> is anybody a Swifty here? And arguing the, the differences between enjoying listening to her music and being obsessed with following. And as you both know, I'm not huge on social media. So not a huge follower of anything outside of, I like her music. But yeah, she's releasing her Eras tour recorded, which to me is likened to Hamilton live recording, which I'm sure is a massive insult to the entire theatre industry. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting. I'll definitely watch it. I watched Miss Americana, mm. which I actually thought was really good. It is called Miss Americana, right? You would know. Pretty sure. Yeah. Which the Taylor Swift documentary on Netflix. But but that was good. And then, yeah, I'm excited as someone who was interested to get tickets until they saw the price. I was going to say, um, they're, like, they're like, what, $500, $500 each at some places, yeah, I, think I think? that's someone at my work yeah. got, my work, we all work mm. at the same place. Yeah. Someone there got two tickets to see her in Singapore. Oh, wow. Um, and wow. I, I was very oh, tempted dear. to blackmail him into <laughs> yeah. selling them to me, especially as we had a Singapore-based <laughs> mm. work thing. I was like, oh, could have, yeah. I could get free flights in there as well. This would be perfect. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's, it's interesting. It mm. It's not Taylor Swift news, but I've also seen a lot of videos of the um, Las Vegas dome, the U2's yeah, residency, yeah. which looks insane. Yeah, does it look good? It, it, so the, the graphics work look incredible and it looks, some of the displays and things look infinite with the way they've done it. Like it is yeah. huge, but obviously the way you display things can, I don't know what the term is, but make that more effective does it really um, feel spherical it or kind of but it also they do things where <laughs> it looks like infinitely tall like it looks like a massive chimney stack almost yeah it looks insane but there's just a lot of that i don't know so you just music get... bleeding into other forms of yeah, media like architecture like, and yeah, yeah like that and kind of stuff. the film with the with the eras tour so yeah, yeah. Get, have, you, have you guys ever watched uh like a studio concert or something like that in a cinema or anything. Oh, actually, no, I have. Um, when I was like six or seven for the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> you uh. really watched the Backstreet Boys? Yeah, it was like well, a, they released a. It was a, like a terrible hologram thing, and it was these like concert of the future thing, and I had no idea what was happening. That and is I incredible. was there. I love um, that. I don't know where this was. was. I heard seven-year-old Will was he a big backstreet boys was fan after you. that <laughs> <laughs> i hope after the apocalypse that's like the only piece of media that survives <laughs> so that people in very future generations can be like and this is what music used to be like and it's just really it's just bad backstreet cg backstreet boys, backstreet boys. <laughs> i love that honestly <laughs> yeah i've never really i've never really gone and watched like a studio concert thing i guess like musicals probably the closest sort of thing to it hamilton's like, uh, yeah closest yeah. thing i can like and that i know of but I, I don't know if there are even many out there no I don't. this think to so. me will be more of a movie almost than just a live recording yeah whereas i guess there's probably quite a lot of live recordings of things yeah i've uh i've seen like i think in the past like justin bieber has done like released things that I, i'm trying to think of like real cultural sort of people that have like done Things like that, and like you reach drive, for Bieber. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say. Like, yeah. I, sort no, of resent like, that. I mean, when I say didn't that, go Michael Jackson didn't didn't go <laughs> no. out and John went was, straight to Bieber. I was thinking like, yeah, but like the level of Sean Swifties, Paul. the level of Swifties. I'm talking like, <laughs> oh, like they are they, ravenous. They are intense. Like they're quite. With so their I love found out today. Swift. But like, I've never, I've never really thought of like, for example, like Elton John. I've never seen like 
Johnny's or something like that. No, <laughs> no. I've never seen. We record that. <laughs> that never seen, never do, seen. Do not Elton cut John, that one. <laughs> never seen Elton John fans like Eltos or something like that be like go crazy sort of thing. Like, I don't know. Or I think I think it's <laughs> sort oh, of Johnny's. before like the idea of like fans need a name. Yeah. Like that wasn't really a thing until I'm going to say, I feel like it's a YouTube thing. Yeah. I wonder. Yeah, if you can trace back who that started with. Yeah. Do you think like the fans have got think more of the early intense? Fads. Do you think the t- fans have got more intense oh, God, yeah. as time's gone on? I don't know. Yes. So there's definitely some like Coliseum like gladiators where people were going nuts <laughs> over those guys. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I, guess. I think <laughs> I did see a lot of things of like um like fans in concerts like passing out through sheer excitement yeah. at um like a lot of older concerts like yeah. Elvis Presley. And oh, things. you get a yeah, so that's true. That I guess very it true. does go back. I I would almost say Elvis Presley may be one of the first Listerman. musicians that really got like an worryingly intense following. There's, yeah, um, there's a whole just, thing for it. Listomania. Just yeah. thinking as yeah. well, like uh, another person, obviously, who's like like that, like Beyonce, is obviously like kind of the, the yes, rival to, to Taylor Swift in that way, where it's like both of them are. That's huge. Constantly fighting. Yeah. Are they? Do they? No. That, no. I was gonna say. I was like, they're more like. Yeah. But yeah, I guess she's kind of huge, and I think her tickets are like mad expensive as well. Yeah. Yeah, and I think even separate to the the music and the tickets and things, it's you get these weird cult followings, no matter how good or bad the musician. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, from our discussions today, I found that Taylor Swift and Swifties is one of those. Yeah. Which. It's usually terrifying because it's rare you get one of these like obsessive followings where there's not also some level of death threats in there, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, just to bring so. a dark note to it. Yeah. Could have gone me, with you've like, got me thinking about like other bands and other people that like might have names like named after them sort of thing. Like I wonder <laughs> if like the Beatles or something had names. It's like the Beatles. Beatles. Be- 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 I, I swear, <laughs> Be- the Johnnies and the Beatles. The Johnnies and the Beaties. I'm pretty sure I remember like because I, re- I remember watching yesterday, like, you know, the film, the musical. Yeah. I'm, I'm quite looking yeah. forward to also, by the way. That like, was a really good film. Yeah. Would... It's one of my favorite films. It's my film that if I'm like ill yeah. and, like, at home, I'll probably stick that on because it's like very, it's very just cute and very like nice. I like that that's yours because it's a film heavily based on its soundtrack and music. Yeah. Which is the same for most of my feel good go to films, as yeah. we'll find out next we'll episode. Find out. Yeah. We'll, um, um, uh, I think it's a good time to sort of just drop that in as well. Um, mm. We are, as part of the podcast, we are um, every week we bring on a new guest and or or existing guest, and we talk about a film or piece of media that's really important to them. Uh, and coming up, it's just like a little spoiler and a little uh, uh, upcoming one is going to be Pitch Perfect next week. Um, that will be episode three, uh, and our guest will be Mark Wyatt. Um, it will indeed. Yeah. It's probably a good time for you to recap what the previous two are, if anybody is dropping in and wants to go back. Yeah, so I think our first episode... previous um, two? We're recording the second one right now. Oh, no. True. <laughs> little editing magic. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yes, so there has been a little gap in production, but we have recorded the second explain. episode previously, which was The Batman. And the first episode, as I heavily posted all over social media, we covered the amazing Spirited Away and I think it's probably a good time, actually, just to to jump across to some Studio Ghibli news as we actually got, yeah, uh, got a little bit of to talk through today. So, yeah. So, as, of course, Miyazaki is retiring, 
totally for real. I actually, I think this one might be for real though. How many times has he retired before this? I probably think like. probably starting like Ponyo is my last movie, guys. Mm. Uh, and that was, I want to say like 2012 or 2013. I'm not sure. But this one feels a bit more real because they've finalized like a sale of the studio. Yeah. Uh, I, when he's like gone on record of saying like, oh, what happens when, when you're not there anymore? Or where you're gone or when you retire? Um, and he's like... Ghibli falls apart. <laughs> oh, damn. that's what he said. He's like yeah. fully committed. He's like, it wrong. doesn't work with me. And he is kind of right. Like yeah. there's like, there's a tumultuous history between him and his son where like his son doesn't want to deal with it probably because of the ab- absurd expectations that his father has put on him, yeah. which is also pretty well documented of like, apparently he went to see his son's like directorial debut and was like, disgusted oh wow oh my god <laughs> really that intense came up to yeah, him after yeah. the viewing with like critiques immediately i yeah. uh, i think it was a bit more harsh than that oh my god <laughs> stood up and but stopped halfway through I wait mean... wait wait pause <laughs> i have feedback <laughs> how about this can we change it you need to make post edits but yeah so um i think this makes sense i off the top of my head i can't remember who ghibli's being sold to it's like mm. nippon something something yeah but they've worked in the past they have collaborators i think mm. they would be able to sort of Maybe not pick up completely creatively what Ghibli's all about, but yeah. I think the sort of the idea and the people who are capable of creating good movies will yeah. at least be able to continue working. As a fan, are you are you worried? Like the fact that he's retiring? Like obviously he's had such an impact on the he is Studio Ghibli in a way. Like I mean, not not a ton. Cause like after a guy retires five times, you're sort of like I, I I've 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 a little bit just, I, I treat everything new as sort of a bonus. It really is that uh, scene from Wolf of Wall Street when he walks in and he goes, I'm not leaving. And, then he's, <laughs> <laughs> and then he's, he gonna, he's probably going to come around and do that again. I imagine, he might. But, like, yeah. I, I think at this point he's going to be a ghost. And he's like, actually, hold on. I've got another idea for a movie. Oh, found footage. There'll be like an archive of movies he made and just never told anyone about. Yeah. Man, he must have not slept. He was just animating the whole time. Yeah. Isn't that? I know this wasn't on the agenda, but isn't there a movie that they've made and like locked in a vault for, and it's only going to come out in like a hundred years and be played at Cannes Film Festival? Oh, really? Yeah, that I'm gonna. Cool. I'm gonna look. I'll look into it for next episode. Yeah, we yeah. can throw it on the agenda. But it's a film with. I think it's got Ray Fiennes, oh, the guy yeah. from the yeah. recent Chef yeah. film. Um, I'm pretty sure it's got him in it. But yeah, it's a, a film that was recorded. A few years ago, I think, but there's only like one copy. It's locked away somewhere, and I think it's wow, yeah, released. That's a pretty cool idea. I like that. <laughs> yeah, the the idea is that it will be released after basically everybody involved in yeah. it is already dead. It's already gone, so you it's can nice just way. really clown on it as hard as you possibly can. Yeah, and no one will be hurt. <laughs> yeah, I unless like we get robots and, and like then, robot yeah. bodies, and then suddenly robot director of that movie comes out with a passionate speech about how much this criticism has destroyed their robots. Oh my God. I think that's a good start. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a good way to go. That's um, where AI is going, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? What do we got, Mark? Oh no, I'm not there yet. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so it, Robert done. Rodriguez, director of Sin City and From Dust Till Dawn, has a film in the can called 100 Years, a film that's been written, shot, edited and stowed away in a high-tech safe behind oh, wow. glass. Um, so I think it might be called a hundred years. Yeah, I think it's called a hundred years film. God, uh, John Malkovich is in it. Oh, okay. cool. Yeah, yeah, and I think yeah, it's supposed to be released at Cannes oh my film god festival. I've just been told as well. I've just the movie do you know you'll never see what else Robert Rodriguez uh, directed. Uh, no, 
Spy Kids. Oh, <laughs> the Spy Kids guy? A what spy, a movie. If it's oh. a Spy Kids Pete's, uh, prequel Imagine, yeah. with John Malkovich. I'm going to lose And I'm it. never going to get to see it. You're not going to see it, James. I oh, know. Well, <laughs> maybe. Well, you, you're <laughs> not going to make it. No, it we're getting to see but, it. If it's a Spy oh my Kids God, reboot. It's a spy kids. Oh. We can be the Spy Kids and steal if it. If Steve Buscemi's maybe secretly in it as well, and they've just not announced that. Maybe this is what they're hoping for. They're hoping someone, someone steals, steals it. it. My consciousness needs to be uploaded somewhere this is, just yeah. for this. I need to see this. You can tell how excited we are about Spy Kids by how much yeah. crosstalk there was yeah. in that section. Like yeah, the decibel level. Out. We're doing Spy Kids too. <laughs> the decibel level Island of volume. It just went up when we started talking about Spy Kids versus Studio Ghibli. <laughs> we're very relaxed. It was very... <laughs> It's like, oh my god! Those are the two ends of the spectrum of great yeah. movies. Yeah. Very of different. It's how we judge everything here. It's either Spy, it's either spy Kids to Ghibli, Studio Ghibli to Spy Kids. No middle ground. <laughs> I like it as well. It's very fitting with our how villainous are they? A person to Grandpa Joe. Yes. <laughs> like when they sit on the scale mm. of evil. <laughs> I mean, neither. There's no. I can think of no Ghibli villain. Well, they don't really have villains exactly. Or Spy Kids villain, which yeah. super does have villains. Yeah. Who is matches Grandpa's Joe's yeah. truly terrible energy? Yeah. For the opposite end of the spectrum, is Junie the ultimate good? Mm, no, I think I, I think of him as a sort of ironic hero. We do mm. need the ultimate like wholesome character to. Go up against Grandpa Joe. Yeah, I had another discussion yesterday about him. He really monopolizes a lot of my life. Uh, me talking about Grandpa Joe. So if anyone is coming on the podcast with Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or <laughs> anything related to Raul Dahl, please, I need this. I need somewhere to vent this energy. Yes. <laughs> it's you, ruining my life. I thought you said you were just going to bleep every mention of it. It's just we release an episode that is just forty-five minutes of me. <laughs> it's just the end. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, What's I next? Think, I think we can talk about um, some other stuff now. I think there's uh, some Doctor Who news uh, that we want to cover. So when you said Swifties, I was immediately like, I can't remember what Hoovians. the who who Whovians. Okay, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, is it Whoziers? But obviously that's a band. Is it Whovites? Also people. Who was it again? I've forgotten immediately. Whovians. Okay. Tumblr is crying right now because I am a Doctor Who fan, but not the same as I'm a. Taylor Swift fan yeah. would not put myself well, in the category with labeling. Higher. Are you Doctor Who more and Taylor Swift more? Probably Taylor Swift now. Big, big Taylor you've Swift just, fan. But used to be a Who massive fans. Doctor Who fan. But no hope for that. I mean, yeah. David Tennant was a, a personal favorite yeah. and always enjoyed the episodes of Tennant and Donna, whose yeah. real name is now Catherine Donna. Catherine Tate. Tate. No. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Catherine Tate and yeah, David Tennant were were some really good episodes, yeah. and yeah, excited to see that that come back. I got a close friend who has always been my Doctor Who buddy, mm. and she actually messaged me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she messaged me probably two weeks ago now with this post, and I was like, oh my god, like I can't believe it. Yeah, it will be an interesting one. I don't know a huge amount yet. I've seen a lot of the like stills and images from uh, this episode, but I think it will be good. And it's starting a whole new series, right? Like it's not just a single standalone thing. I think they are bringing back Tenant as the three episodes. Yeah, yeah. It's quite interesting to be fair because, like, I think I sort of I think David Tennant when I think of Doctor Who is my Doctor sure, that yeah, I think of. Too. He I is. think like Matt Smith as well a little bit that no. that kind of era. Christopher Eccleston more than Matt yeah. Smith for me. Really, he, he was because he had a short run. 
didn't he? He had a shorter uh, run. Relatively. Yeah, yeah, but he was a very emotional doctor. He was very emotional. Both like. in the way he portrayed it and the episodes he was in. Yeah. And it did really, it rebooted the the show. Of course, um, yeah. He did an amazing job with that. I think like, yeah, that really, like, because when I think about Doctor Who and I think of like the episodes that really stand out and the ones that when I was a kid, I really rewatched. Like his definitely the one where he's uh, at the end of the, the Dalek ship. Uh, he's on the the game show ship, sorry. Yes, and then he like yeah, everything obviously happens there. Then no surprise if people want to go back and and watch it. I think Doug, who's been out long enough? Long enough you can yeah, probably get some spoilers. It's getting a resurgence now. Uh, I think I'll probably check in to watch this. I think as well. I've oh, been definitely checked out of Doctor Who for a long time, but yeah, I think it's um, it's it's really good. I've just been told that that episode was eighteen years ago, so that makes me feel very old. The fact that I was. Almost 10 years old at that point. <laughs> For a minute, I was like, that can't be right. And then I realized I'm not 23. Yeah. Like my maths was telling me, I was like, I wasn't five when that came out. And then, yeah, no. Nope. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? What do you think your favorite episode of Doctor Who is? Do you the Angels. Have, do you think? Um, yeah. Don't blink. Is that the, the first one of the Angels? Was that or like? Yes. One? Yeah. yeah. And that was the first one. And don't get me wrong. It, not it didn't age well, but I've been back and rewatched it so many times. Mm. It's never as good as my memory of my first watch of yeah. it, which is the case with a lot of things. My first watch, it felt a lot longer, mm. a lot more intense, a lot more to it. Yeah. But even so, just the the premise of it. And it's one of the episodes with the least Doctor and Companion in it. Yeah. Um, well, it is because they're like, they're off screen for it. They moment, are. They? And I really time. like the the actress who's the lead for that episode. Yeah. Um, she's really good. But no, that that episode is just... One of my all-time favorites, and they are yeah. one of the all-time greatest villains. Yeah, when they're brought so they're... back, some more of the plot holes start to come up with yeah. it, and they change how they are. But they're such an ambivalent villain, and it is just terrifying as a yeah. kid watching that episode. That episode and the one with David Tennant's wife in it as well. I remember that being uh, River, River a good Song. Episode. Is that her name? No. Yeah. So River Song's his wife in the show oh, but his actual oh, real his life wife David plays actual... his cloned daughter which yes. is odd it's in the show it's in the... he gets cloned she's his daughter slash clone but that? she's actually his wife in real life yeah but why did they do that i don't know i think they fell in i think they met on the set they fell in love on the yeah set. maybe they were like, yeah yeah it wasn't like okay. oh i'm brought my wife to play my daughter <laughs> and is, it's kind of a clone they is. do refer to her as his daughter i think yeah, okay. but technically she's a clone of him and she's only part time lord oh do you know what's do you know what's interesting as well she was actually one of the previous doctor's daughters oh god that's even yeah. weirder that, that gets all very it's ancestral. like very complicated yeah. in there. i like that there is a fan base out there that sees eventually if they do end doctor who's story yeah she's out there she, she yeah. died but didn't die yeah. and then flies off in a spaceship and well, she is in theory at least part-time lord i like that so um, you have, you she could, could bring her back in some form yeah i'd be surprised well, if they didn't one day even with a different actress yeah in, i'm interested how long i'm interested well what's your kind of perception of, of doctor who? have you seen a lot I've, of it because obviously seen a portion of it so yeah. like i've watched uh bits and pieces of eccleston i've watched a lot of tenant yeah uh, but not all of it because um and then sort of fell off during matt smith yeah to um, me doctor who's like very i don't know if it's as big as it is in america sort it's sort of, thing. of bled is over it, yeah I, um, i've got to slip this political one in and say doctor who in america is it he charges for like every every time he saves people there's like a massive surcharge 
<laughs> oh my god! Yeah, it's a very big <laughs> bill, and even so, with the insurance, like, I'm so sorry. And he's like, "Oh, sorry, I'm not on your plan, Doctor." How much <laughs> is what he's called in America? <laughs> yeah, so we we yeah. <laughs> completely derailed me. Um, yeah, no, he's a he's he's really only in it for the money, which is which is really <laughs> respectable. Um, time lords are. Uh, literal lords like they own <laughs> land and copious <laughs> amounts of land yeah like, well i can save you for a price <laughs> yeah. for, for money, money. <laughs> um but no he uh not he doctor who i mean it it's got really big on tumblr and then yeah. it sort of got all over the place like, it is sort of part of the anglophile is it a cult scene. following one like either people Watch it religiously or not at all? Or yeah. is it on? Okay. It's not like it on, is in the that. background. Or, no, it or, is. Yeah. You, you're unlikely to walk into someone's family home at like, oh, they're just cooking dinner and then Doctor Who's on. No. Oh. I'd liken it to like Trailer Park Boys for me then. Trailer Park Boys is, a, is Canadian, I think. But it's big in country. But then there's like a real cult following out of country. Mm-hmm. Like people have either almost never heard of it or religiously watched every episode. Yeah. Very good show though. I think like... um yeah, Doctor Who for me, like when we were younger, especially, it was like staple. I feel like it took over the world, essentially. Like everyone was watching it in, in the UK. When I say take over the world, I mean take over. Take UK. over the world. Take over the which is, oh, you like, are think, painting us in a real good light as a country. <laughs> I think like, I think like everyone, if you say the Weeping Angels too, I think most people know what they are. And they Dalek is a better, a better yeah, pull for Dalek that as well, definitely. And even yeah. if they don't know what a Dalek is. You say exterminate in a croaky yeah. robot voice, and most people are going to recognize it. Yeah, at least in the UK. I saw a I saw a quote from a director the other day, kind of speaking about that, where he was like, "Got he he was basically hating on Star Wars because he was like, I he was like I've never seen them, and yet because of the influence of media, I know who Darth Vader is, I know who Luke Skywalker is, I know who all of these people are, despite never seeing mm-hmm. the thing." And he was like, "For that reason, I'm boycotting everything." And I was like, that just seems, I don't know, it seems weird to me. But There's, I, it got me thinking because like I know several things like that where I've never seen the thing and I just happen to know that yeah. it yeah. just gets into your head a little I've bit. I've known about Mexican food before I tried it, but it <laughs> didn't make me want to you boycott wanna, it. You didn't boycott oh, all of it. I've heard about tacos one too many times. So, I mean, <laughs> one could argue, have you tried it? I have. In this country? Yes, unfortunately. I don't know if you have. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I agree. That argument, what I have tried, has been disappointing. It's, it's a, you just but like I say, seen it too much, boycotted it. <laughs> I, this thing exists. I hate it. Gone. Next. I want to know who this director is who thinks he can just disregard the whole of Star Wars, oh. which even if you don't think they're all amazing, they're influential. Like it's a big thing, right? Yeah, for him to then be like, he, no, he gave this interview because it was in the middle of the the rise. I'm not sure if it was a director. I think it was someone. Uh, it was like a when I say director, I mean like director of a company. Uh, oh, okay. not that makes director, more director. sense to be he, in the movie industry and be like, I Star Wars? refuse to see one of the biggest names <laughs> of all movie history. He he gave a. I remember because I was listening to another podcast that I listened to, uh, the Weekly Planet. And they were talking about, they were talking about it. And basically he went on a wild interview, basically just slamming so many movie properties and being like, yeah, fuck it. I just hate film and all of this. And it was like, I think, I think it was like a director in a film company sort of thing. It's just very bizarre to me. It was like wild. He would be like, yeah, I love this, but I hate this. And like, 
went on a very strong opinionated rant. Was he like, Godzilla doesn't have nearly enough fight scenes (laughs) with the giant robots in it. That didn't get released. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody will ever know my wild opinions about Godzilla. It's fine. Now I really want to hear about a director who his entire life has boycotted movies. (laughs) He's never seen a movie. He has no concept of what it is. I refuse to watch it. Just released an eight hour recording of him watching actors. And he's like, that's a movie, right? This is... Did did I do it? Golden Globe. <laughs> then and there. I mean, you probably would. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I think we can talk about our, our next piece of news. Uh, it's kind of our, our penultimate piece, um, but it's Lion King is going to be back in cinemas. Uh, it's Disney's 100-year anniversary. Weird or kind of I mean, right? Does it feel right to you? It's a good one. Like, it's, it's definitely a good one. I feel like if you're choosing movies that are like iconic disney i can put that as like easily top five yeah but when i given the hundred year anniversary i feel i just it doesn't feel like quite the right one to go for i think it is the lucrative one to go for definitely which is why they're choosing it what would you put forward if not that and why then i have two options Mm. one uh snow white seven dwarfs is Put Disney on the map essentially mm. is I a great it. one to pick one. That I think about, I'm like, pretty sure. What about Fanta- oh, okay. Fantasia? Fantasia is an excellent option. I love Fantasia so much. I don't think yeah. it'd be the right one to do. No, I don't know if I've ever um, seen it. Or two, this one might be a big take. Little Mermaid. Yeah, I think it's, I think they probably would have gone Little Mermaid route if they hadn't have just released obviously the new one. Yeah, like, like, that makes sense. Still in like relevant memory, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you could argue Lion King's got the. The yeah. live show already, yeah. so they're kind of already milking it. But yeah, because yeah. they've Is got Robin Lion... Hood Disney, the animated Robin yes. Hood. Uh, yeah, Gonna yeah. Bring that one back again. That would be my <laughs> put forward, yeah. but only food. We know I why. And we Jungle Book, <laughs> Jungle Book, and Robin Hood. Jungle Book's mm-hmm. a good one as well. Jungle Book was, but they also have made like three Jungle Book. Films There's a lot since of Jungle that, Book haven't films. they? Yeah, I yeah. think there was a series as well. They did. Did they? Recently, as Mowgli yeah. as yeah. well. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah. Do you think it's fair to say that Lion King would be the most beloved one? Like, do you uh, think everyone, if you say household King, name, right? But maybe because of the fact that it's never left the public eye because of, of yeah. the show being so incredible and in public. Yeah. I mean, it was a huge hit also. And is arguably like of our generation. It is a thing that would be put on VHS tapes and then played over and over and over and over. Yeah. Unlike yeah. Robin Hood, which definitely no one did that for. Um, like I don't think I don't think I've ever heard anyone the, the original Lion King I don't think I've ever heard anyone sort of bash on it or say it's, that it's bad not I many people bash on Disney movies yeah, yeah. I guess not you're not going to get well do. received if you just come out and be like you know what there's so many plot holes in Snow yeah. White is bull <laughs> <laughs> stop myself there it also helps that Lion King is it's just a good story I mean there's a yeah. reason it's already been told like it's obviously sad it's, like, it's happy it's empowering yeah i think it draws a lot of influence obviously from like hamlet and, and it draws entire influence yeah, from hamlet exactly and i think like that gives it quite a yeah it's quite it's quite easy to follow the plot it's quite nice it's yeah i think it's easily quite beloved i like the part where simba eats a bug <laughs> eats many bugs <laughs> yeah he Don't goes, tell me those bugs didn't my, look delicious. They, did. my, they, they do. It really made me want to eat bugs. My favorite is that part. from Hamlet. <laughs> yeah, Hamlet <laughs> famously starts eating bugs, and as, as soon as you said Hamlet, I really wanted to force a pun of Pumba. 
in there being a, a Hamlet when he's alive. Oh, um, stop. Instead, you just I talk did. about the puns I set up. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I didn't have time. I got too quickly onto bugs and then I got hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think my favorite bit in Lion King is probably like the fact that he goes from, spoiler, his, his father. <laughs> Come on. His, his father. <laughs> his father. His father died. laughing in the back. I've got... <laughs> I've got, I've just got to drop in spoiler warnings for everything, regardless, <laughs> just in case, you know. It's because, a wonderful life. Yeah. Spoiler alert, in spoiler case alert. anybody's never seen it. 1946 for reference. <laughs> My favorite part, they go, obviously his father dies and then like two minutes later, Timon and Pumbaa are like, ah, don't worry about it, it's mate. Cool. It's all good. Like, you can dance and eat bugs and that'll make you better. One of, one of my favourite memes is that girl that's like dancing on TikTok crying while she's dancing and it's like uh, Simba while... Timon and Pumbaa are dancing around. He's like dancing, just like crying. It's like, mean, you have no more adults around. These are the only people who can keep you alive, yeah. essentially, and they want you to dance. Yeah. They're kind of adults as well, aren't they? They're significantly older than him. Oh, for sure. The point they meet. So they just find a child and like, oh, fucking get over it. Mate. I mean, yeah. biologically, come on. And protect us. We've got it so good. You don't know how good you've got it. <laughs> I think Simba. Get over it. Simba's probably like. An year old, he's he's probably one year old. Yeah, yeah. He's like nothing, and then suddenly you got these. I don't know how old warthogs live, but they seem at least in their twenties when they meet him. It feels they have they have big twenties energy. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I'd imagine whatever that equates to in warthog years. What is what is is Timon? The meerkat. Meerkat. He's a meerkat. Yeah, the only one that actually eats bugs. Mm. He's the only one that goes for it. I mean, you know, oh, what, fact, in real life, the warthogs in real life, dogs, um, if they come across. Well, bugs. you know what? Now that you've put me on blast, I'm not positive. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to say 99% sure no, warthogs no, no. don't if eat they bugs. find a big juicy worm, though. Yeah. I can there, are, there are people listening that get exclusively their animal news from us. And you can't steer them wrong, Will. They need to know. I know. Badgers. <laughs> badgers and celebrities last week. And this week, bugs and warthogs. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're getting like good points to always hit on the pod. We've got Grandpa Joe. We've got different animal stories. I feel like we're building, building quite a good politics, foundation. Yeah. Slipping that in. On why, the is, why are we talking about movies? Yeah, <laughs> why, why, yeah, let's just talk about. It's a loose framework for <laughs> our own agenda. Let's Stopping just strikes. Yeah, yeah. Doctor Strike next I, on the list. I do now promise. Like, I do promise we're not trying to make it political. Or are we? Politics <laughs> is all around us. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna change change the vibe slightly. Michael Gambon, unfortunately, has passed away this week, and he is just absolute legend. I think he resonates in a lot of people's me- memories and minds uh, as Dumbledore, the second Dumbledore, obviously. For a lot of people, Harry Potter has massive influence in their childhood. And yeah, it's really sad that he's passed away. By all accounts, he was an absolutely outstanding person, passed away peacefully. So that's all uh, that's obviously is the best you can hope for. But yeah, I figured like as a bit of an honor to him, we just talk about some of our favorite Dumbledore moments and like the uh, maybe our favorite Harry Potter film and and yeah, his impact on on our childhood because he definitely had a role in mine. Like he's he's a, an outstanding an actor. I think like the older generation know him for a few other things as well. I don't know, but yeah, what what kind of moments like what is it what stands out for you for you guys with like this this piece of news and like when you heard it? What I think. I mean, Harry Potter is obviously a huge, huge thing. I think yeah. all of us Could considered be, it a whole yeah, podcast topic. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, I know James. At one point, you were going to do Harry Potter. I was. Yeah. At one point, I was going to do Harry Potter. Yeah. Even if it wasn't up there for you, Will, I'm sure 
it at it's least factors quite, it. It's big, yeah. Um, so it's it's a huge, huge thing, and obviously a massive both following in general and cult following. I think our generation sort of watches it religiously. Yeah. And he was. It's hard to compare the Dumbledores. He was completely different, but he was an incredibly yeah. intense character and really makes you almost dislike a character in some ways that you mm. like so much. Like it's understandable, but he is also pragmatist. He yeah. is, yeah. And I, it's it's very interesting, especially for what is kind of a kids' film. Yeah, um, it it brings a real intensity to it. Yeah. I think like some of the scenes that he's acted in, like some of the the favorite. I think like the one, the biggest one for me, aside from "Did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire?" That's yeah. obviously a fantastic scene, fantastic moment. Everyone loves that, and everyone loves it. And Quotable. it's meaningful. Yeah. As a more serious moment, like his his duel that he has with Voldemort. Uh, the I think it's the I can't is it the is the fifth one absolutely yeah. incredible. Like when I think of Harry Potter and the magic and the whimsy and all of it, it's mm. that. It's like that scene where he's, they're just conjuring <laughs> massive things at each other, all of this. And the intensity you see on Michael Gamble's face, I think he portrays mm. it perfectly. <laughs> but yeah, it's, yeah, he, he really stands out for me as Dumbledore. I know we mentioned obviously the, the first Dumbledore. It would have been interesting to see obviously him, him play the Dumbledore. I don't sure. know how he would have captured that intensity that michael gambon obviously mm. has managed i mean intensity and amazing scenes just makes me think of the first horcrux they yeah they go to get when he's drinking the uh water from yes. the altar. yeah that like considering this is a movie that like children watch and ch- parents take to watch if you isolate that scene on its own if you change the scoring somewhat on that it is incredibly dark yeah, yeah. like he is begging for his life to be over yeah and and it's it is horrifying. so intense yeah and then they change that or not change that and then it transitions to it gets quite dark carries underwater and then suddenly again he's conjuring the most incredible powerful magic yeah. just l- obliterating an entire room and magic's kind of there's not a power scale so much in in the harry potter universe it's, very soft. it's yeah. kind of very limited <laughs> For some people, but then sometimes it's not. But obviously with Dumbledore and the Elder Wand in that scene, like for someone to conjure an inferno of flames around an entire yeah. cavern is not something you see at any other point in the movie. Yeah. Nobody else manages that level of yeah. power. And that scene always hits me as super intense. Yeah, And yeah, just makes me feel a bit sick yeah. watching it when he's on the floor crying yeah it's truly horrifying <laughs> i think it's real cool him. yeah <laughs> it is it is but it's yeah yeah i mean i do love like i think it's also one of the first times where you see or maybe one of the only times where you see dumbledore really be like just a just a guy instead of this this mysterious headmaster who somehow has a huge control over the wizarding world i think it's really important seeing that and knowing that like oh this is yep this is a, not just some like demigod magic man. I was going to say, the only other time I think is Snape's memories, where you <laughs> see him when he realizes he's dying with the curse on his hands and he's talking about Harry and things. It's mm-hmm. probably the only other time I think you see him drop the, yeah, all powerful, all knowing facade a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think like what also like stands out for me with Dumbledore's character and like kind of goes back to what you were saying about the, the magic and the fury and the intensity and, and that kind of stuff. So that like, prior to that point i think from memory in harry potter like when you see magic and you see like people fighting all this it's just like bolts of lightning and all of this it's like a beam beam of light but then you see this 
this intensity they're conjuring like these amazing things you see like the height of what like this incredible power and these magics it's always like elemental and 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 that kind of stuff and like another scene that obviously is like slightly elemental as well but like when he that scene where he escapes his office as well and he has the, the phoenix <laughs> running up him, and all he, like, of us just it. clapped yeah. and it's, it's fantastic i mean it does have the he one style yeah it does have the one token black guy line that is you gotta admit dumbledore got style and i'm like <laughs> i have no idea what you guys are talking about <laughs> no no you know, see the scene where he, he goes i've seen that i'm trying to think who the words. character is who says that yeah but the the minister of magic is like it's frowning like, and all pissed yeah. and then one of the, the other movies? auras yeah, is yeah. like that's, That's in the movie. Movie. You got to admit, he goes, Dumbledore's got Dumbledore's style. Got style. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I can't remember. Maybe I blocked it out. I think we've got it. We've oh got it up. God. We've got it up. It's just the, it's the most token line I think I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. But it, 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 that's it. It's a great scene overall. And mm-hmm. I really, I really love uh, Michael Gambon's performance in all of them. I think you described it earlier. He like, it's, it's raising lambs to slaughter sort of thing. But mm-hmm. he portrays it in a way. I never when I was a kid and I didn't really understand like everything going on with Harry Potter and like the context and everything and all of this. And it took me a, obviously seeing the whole story and being mm. a bit older and understanding it all. But you go back and you rewatch a lot of his performances and there's so much subtlety to it. It's just, it's just a fantastic performance. Mm. And Him and Alan Rickman in, yeah. in those films just, I think that's what makes it so rewatchable. You watch it the first time and it's just Harry Potter and then you go back and rewatch it and it's performances like Michael Gambon, Alan Rickman yeah. that are so emotive and yeah. incredible and they they just make the film. Yeah, it's 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 I know that they're they're potentially thinking of uh rebooting Harry Potter and they're doing like a, a Netflix they they're doing a Netflix show coming up in the future. And to me it's like it's one of those yeah. cultural cornerstones that you just I don't think needs to be touched. I don't think like yeah. anyone was clamoring for. I mean, they've already got the Fantastic Beasts. Yeah, everyone loves prequels. those. Yeah, everyone, everyone loves those. So everyone much. totally loves them. They're <laughs> so they're so good. <laughs> I I don't. I, the first one's okay. I don't hate them as standalone yeah. things, but to me, it's yeah, yeah. If they try and reboot Harry Potter, they're just going to Shrek three it. Yeah, they're just wait. <laughs> sorry, the worst what? Shrek four. No. They didn't make. They didn't make any Shrek. Spoiler sequels. alert: There's four Shrek. Films. No, like, they stopped after two, didn't they? Because it was the greatest like back to back film ever. James you know, obliviated himself <laughs> after seeing the third Shrek. <laughs> when you talk about Harry Potter, I think there's like there's other things you could go and do rather than just rebooting it. I feel like it's such a rich world. You could like because they've got the video game now. I don't know if you've played Hogwarts Legacy, nope. but by most accounts, it got pretty good praise and people liked it. Yeah, Harry Potter Quidditch still the best still, Harry Potter game ever oh, released. PlayStation unreal. Two. Yeah, I saw a fun fact yeah, the other day. Game. Saw a fun fact that Harry only played in seven Quidditch games in five <laughs> years, and he's just claiming everyone's like, "Yeah, he's the goat." <laughs> it's like imagine that in real life. It's like he played seven games, won three titles or whatever. It's like. You're only showing the ones where he got the snitch. Everyone else, yeah, it's just like, eh, not worth watching. Harry didn't get the snitch. Well, like, imagine, cool. imagine debating like who's the best Quidditch player. It's like, yeah, Harry's the goat. He got the snitch. It's like, yeah, but he's when he plays, he's amazing. But he's only played seven times in <laughs> three years. It's like, I mean, he he just quit while he was ahead. He he has an unbeatable record now. <laughs> I saw a, I saw a good meme when it was like Harry complaining that Quidditch is cancelled after he's literally destroyed the school. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> <laughs> and this students who have probably played like tens of games who it's their life he's played three matches at this point and he's like oh, not fair it's also I'm like just, 
it's a bit like oh rich kid comes in yeah. with like super famous popular guy immediately gets on the quidditch team plays has the when best he broom feels like it and just keeps winning gets away with everything at yeah. school yeah <laughs> must be infuriating but yeah i i think he's he's gonna be truly missed he's a fantastic actor and like i implore you go back and rewatch harry potter as often as you can honor him in obviously this time when family are obviously grieving and we we pay them all the respects and and hope that yeah hopefully they're dealing with it in the best way that they can yeah he'll be truly missed by all of us i think it's it's very very ultra significant in in all of our upbringings so yeah immortalized in movie form exactly so now we have to talk about James's movie to bring on. Hey, and I'm here. Yes, we did not plan this at all, and we're struggling a lot. We hoped that he'd be carrying us this entire time, and then he told us to talk and interview him. So, well done to James. Yeah, it was it was my idea. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> well, I guess if you want to be on a podcast about movies, sometimes you need to talk to someone who's talking about movies. But you are deciding to bring on The Batman 22. There's a lot of Batman movies out there. Everyone knows The Batman but what is the Batman? The plot, as you say, like everyone probably knows the story of Batman now where it's boy is orphaned and then somehow goes on a bit of a journey and then ends up dressing up as a bat and fighting crime essentially. But I guess the plot of this, this film is kind of, he's more of established straight away. It's year two that he's been Batman. So he's been doing it a little while and there's a serial killer in town who's calculating he's new, in he's, he's new in town he's rolled onto the scene and he's he's taking victims and it's it's kind of a film set on figuring that out like there's a lot of time spent just walking around yeah there's mystery a lot of, time of kind of going along that journey you kind of know obviously as, as batman fans of like who who did it and like we'll get into that obviously but yeah it's kind of like more of a mystery focused batman than i think that we've seen in the past like especially with like the nolan trilogy and stuff yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people, I know people have different takes on this movie. I personally think that the crime drama thing really suits itself to Batman. And I think Gotham especially works very well for this. And some people think otherwise. But I personally think if you're going to do a Batman where it's going to be a crime drama, I'm really glad that we get to have Batman being very sad about it all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it is my favorite portrayal of Bruce Wayne. <laughs> For me, it's like a great portrayal. And like I rewatched it obviously this week, and I think I love the portrayal of Bruce Wayne. I me kind too. of have, have ruminated on this for a little bit, where he is just such a broken exactly. person. He is not the Christian Bale version of it, where he is this playboy bachelor. And like maybe we will get that, and he'll grow into that in in later installments, where he realizes that that persona can be very useful to him. But mm-hmm. underneath it all, he is just so broken like as when he's walking around as bruce wayne he's barely making eye contact with people he is struggling to make conversation i think like without seeing his origin story in this movie you really feel like that trauma that he holds and that that performance really comes through with pattinson for me i think Mm -hmm. like he's the most convincing bruce wayne for me because it's like this thing would absolutely destroy you it makes very i mean going back to previous conversations today as well makes for a much grittier and less superhero film Mm -hmm. like what you just said well crime drama i think it works really well i just think robert pattinson does really great looking real sad (laughs) he does Um, a lot of shots a lot of promotional shots where he's looking sad and looking it's got the black eyeliner as well going on so it's like it's really good even as batman you can still see into those those dead pattinson eyes i'm gonna steal the big question yeah and for those of you who who don't know this this movie is quite a big 
part of the reason why we're here today. So why, why was this movie the, the start of you wanting to, to do a podcast? Because obviously me and Will mm-hmm. have heard a lot of this from you. But what was it about this film that just struck you and made you think, right, this film hit me in such a way I need to do something about films yeah. with this? I've been talking about this this podcast for obviously like a year now at this point of like wanting to get it started and we've had many practice sessions and all of this. Two. It comes back to this movie for me. I Not many people know this in my life at all, but I actually had a YouTube channel before and I started it during COVID. I didn't really tell anyone about it. It was more, I didn't do it for fame or anything like that. And obviously I'm, I'm not famous. So clearly we know that that venture side of it didn't work out, but I made videos and stuff because it was something that I enjoyed doing. I actually started just before COVID and for the first year of COVID, it really kept me sane. It gave me something to pour a load of passion into and it kept me going like through COVID. I know loads of people struggled through COVID. We all did. Flash forward to year two of COVID and I'd burnt myself out to the point where I didn't want to consume movies anymore. I didn't want to consume any TV. I was going through some pretty hard stuff mentally. I've gone through like the lowest point in my life and I really thought that I would never get that passion back. I never thought thought that that spark would ever exist again. And it wasn't until I went to London with a few of my friends and we were like really excited. One of the one of the first movies that I'd actually done an episode on on my YouTube channel was five things about the Batman that I'm looking forward to. And it covered things <laughs> from like the potential villains, the story that it had, because it's based on a comic book that I really love. And it wasn't until that I sat down in that cinema and the cinema's always had a real like effect on me where you can switch off and yeah, you can sit for there sure. for, for two hours, three hours, and you switch off your phone and it's kind of like a escapism yeah it's completely and utterly that like it goes dark no one's there exactly you're you're in your own little world there's no pressure to to talk or be anything other than than yourself and i've always loved that and i've always loved that when i sat down in the cinema it's three hours long and i always love a great long film but i came out of it and i absolutely loved it in a time where so many we've spoken about it today like you look at marvel at the moment and at least the later stuff is just littered with poor cgi like stories that i feel like an ai could have written sometimes like it's really done not well and this just breathed so much life back into my back into my soul where it was like it's just so well like you can say what you want about the plot and about the the performances but it is just such a well-made film regardless like the actual, like, the ability to make you feel like Gotham, the city in it, is just this is, horrible, yes. disgusting, like, place to live. It's, it's, it's amazing. Painted. It's a very, very well. It's a very visceral feeling that Gotham gives you. And, That's, like, yeah, a good choice of work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You feel like you're going to be done crime, too. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you feel like you're walking around. You just don't feel safe. You don't feel. You have moments in this film where you're happy and you're you have moments where you're amazed by the action and the the spectacle of it all but I came out of that cinema and I had renewed optimism again like with my passion alongside I met some very influential people at that time I met a very influential person to me at that time and I came out of that cinema and I had the biggest smile on my face probably for the first time in so many months and it just inspired me where 
I wanted to go and make something. I wanted to go and talk about this with people. I wanted uh-huh. to go and talk about other things with people. And I knew that this story of me going through particularly really bad time in my life, I knew that other people have stories like that. And that's really the inspiration for like this podcast. I want people to come on to talk about moments in their lives that change them. They don't all have to be sad or, or anything, but just something that meant something to you that changed a way of thinking in your mind or in your life. Like that's what this film did for me. You want to be like Batman at the end of the Batman. Exactly. That's how I want to be. Like I want to be guiding people towards (laughs) having like a, a way to obviously like to spread their word and, and and talk about things that are important to them. So yeah. What a better movie than the Batman. Than the Batman. It's not even, it's not even necessarily the film itself, but like, Obviously, I want to get into it and hear and hear your guys' thoughts on it. But yeah, it's just yes. a glimpse of why it's why it's special to me. Exactly, as as what you've said, you've wanted to do with this is mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what the film is; it's yeah. what the film is to the person. Exactly, and that was a, a a really nice description of what that film was to you, and the sort of yeah the the weight that movies and media can hold for people, and yeah, it's it's something that. I imagine whenever you watch that film, it's going to remind you of a time in your life in, in quite a positive way from the way you've spoke about it there. Absolutely. Like whenever I watched it back, I was very lucky to watch it with a close friend uh, this week. And so it's quite nice because one of the things that I'm really enjoying about this podcast as well, and I know it's only been Just two episodes, more movies. but it's watching more movies. And it's watching <laughs> movies with with a purpose, like for finding out when you find out these little stories or you you don't know them yet, but you're going to hear about them. It's nice mm-hmm. to watch that film. But as I was saying, like I watched it with a close friend this weekend and I just, just brought back with all of that positivity and all of that emotion of like remembering a time where I was so passionate about films and passionate about movies. And it just reinvigorated me. I've been looking forward to this recording session all week just mm-hmm. because it's, so good just to talk about it and have a good time and just and just laugh about it so weird juxtaposition of like being brought back to all these positive feelings and then like the very dark sad gotham i'm just imagining you with a huge grin while watching people really struggle people are like people are like in trouble in the in the city and all of this and i'm (laughs) sat there beaming sort of thing but no it is so good like i mean that's what movies do like it you shouldn't you shouldn't movies should what movies should do yeah Yeah. but there's a lot i mean not just with 2022 the batman but i was wondering if like specifically how do you think the 2022 batman fits into bat how you feel about batman as a whole and also how do you feel about batman as a whole do you picture yourself as batman with a torch so (laughs) no not quite batman with a torch but i think one of the things for me and this is so cliche and I hate saying it, Say it, but I kind of feel like, and I think a lot of people feel like this, that you wear a certain mask in public. You wear a certain side of, you show a certain side of yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that most people in my life that know me, I think if you if you ask them honestly of what they think of me and what they, they think and what I'm like, I think most people would say positive and sort of bubbly and is is oh he's quite extroverted rather than rather than being introverted but it's not really how i feel about myself you feel how i bruce wayne batman dichotomy within yourself exactly i feel like there's two sides of me i feel even and i want what i want for this podcast is it to be a glimpse into what i'm really like i want it to be a glimpse into everyone like giving everyone ability to take off that mask and and really 
talk about them themselves but it's like you have that public persona that you put on him and i have the real version of myself so in some ways i do feel like batman where i don't really know which version of me is the true version anymore is it the person that's extroverted that says all these jokes or is it the person who's introverted and likes like to batman talk? it like, is both yeah, yeah. I think for, for everybody and that's a, a difficult thing to accept is and and again different for everybody but as you get older and you start to realize like you're saying the the sort of different sides of yourself mm-hmm. is accepting that nobody is like characters in most movies are portrayed where they are all one thing yeah. nobody is all good nobody is all bad everybody is a mixture of everything and it's different on different days yeah so to hear you say that sort of which side of batman am i and i'm, I'm assuming being in a, a slightly better place you're accepting of both sides of yourself yeah i think there's definitely days where it's easier as well i think there's definitely days where you do feel more extroverted you do feel you've got the energy to be outgoing and and see all these people and i'm in a very positive place in my life at the moment and i'm very accepting of that like i'm I'm more in tune with my emotions of saying okay today well i feel extroverted and i'm gonna be out there and trying to blur that line more so than rather it being like okay well today i'm sad james and tomorrow (laughs) i'm happy james sort of thing so you can schedule it yeah in terms of batman as a whole i'm gonna say it i don't think that this is the best batman film Mm -hmm. i don't think that this i think the nolan trilogy and it's probably unfair to compare it to a trilogy versus one movie. Sure. But I do think, and especially on rewatch, I do think that the the Nolan trilogy did do certain things better. Just quickly before you, you pass it to us, you mentioned a few times, I just want to grab it while it's yeah. still fresh, is rewatching it, you mentioned you have. Yeah, yeah. Did anything change for you? Because I, I know for some people rewatching, <laughs> a lot of things change. But the way you speak about it sounds like it cemented itself in first watch for you yes so so i i just wondered did it change or did you go back to it and it was just reliving that same positive moment definitely in moments i was sat there and i was in awe of it and me and me and my friend when we watched it we were both sat there sort of definitely at moments being like this is it's a fantastically made film it is great i think the things that changed for me this time watching it is that i did so that first time when I watched it, it was very much an experience for me. And I went to the cinema. We do these in my, my friend group that we have. We do these wonderful trips where we go down to London and we, we visit some close friends. We have dinner and, and all these things. And it just happened that this time we went and uh, went and watched a movie. So it was much more of an experience on mm-hmm. that day of like, it's this new film that I've been looking forward to for, for so long and all of this. I think the second time I kind of came down a little bit from that mountain where I was like, okay, I've still got all of these positive feelings of how I felt uh-huh. that time. And like, I take a lot of resilience and strength from how I feel at that time. And like rewatching it definitely gave that feeling again, where I was like, Oh, like, look, it was kind of like a nice retrospective for me. Cause it was like, look back on the last year, the last two years since COVID, like how far have we all come and how far have I come in my life? And luckily for me, I felt like I've come a long way, at least Mm -hmm. in understanding myself. I feel like I've come a long way and unpacking a lot of the feelings that I've been having and and all of this. So I feel like I'm in a good place. So taking that side of it, I took a lot of positives and I took a lot of strength from that. But like taking it in terms of of an actual film, I think I noticed more of sort of the things that maybe you consider a bit nitpicky or, Mm -hmm. or things that like, I was like, oh, that's an interesting choice that they took or an interesting aspect they went with it rather than uh, rather than just sort of being in complete and utter awe of this this movie. I feel like I almost 
I did like a weird 180. Um, not in how I felt about the movie, but about the parts I liked and the parts I didn't like. Oh. Um, I thought when I first watched it, the first I thought the first 80% of it was like, oh, this is so well paced. I'm so yeah. loving this. I'm really loving it. And then the last 20%, I was like, I don't know what they did to this movie. Yeah. And now like uh, I, I found myself less forgiving on the beginning and like more into the end. Oh. Okay. Um, I don't know. We're doing spoilers. We do spoilers now. Uh, yeah, we can we can talk about yeah, spoilers now. Yeah. I I thought I thought the Riddler's plan to explode everything and drown everyone was real dumb at first. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I think it makes way more sense in retrospect. And that like he's nuts. He's insane. Yeah, of he course is he's completely do something terrible. Insane. Just because he's like I hate the rich people. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Which I'm like, you go Riddler. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he is just nuts. Like he hit the nail on the head. Exactly. There. He's not like super. Power nuts like the Joker and yeah, yeah. for Nolan is borderline. He might as well and a lot of super... plot armor, but yeah. but this guy is just yeah crazy. Yeah, N- not okay. In um, a crime city where he does crime. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and but like I thought that the action scene at the end of the movie was completely unwarranted, and it was like Batman is just fighting a bunch of guys in a thing. But like I realized that at the very end of my second watch is like no this is what batman should be i completely ignored his like arc of like i'm not here to punch bad guys i'm here to save people from drowning specifically punching bad guys guys. (laughs) well no i i agree with you in terms of i think my opinions on the movie changed quite a bit over time with rewatches and I am someone who, as James knows, because I, I like to try and get a rise out of him from it. <laughs> I love to nitpick and I love yeah. to, to try and poke those holes and pushing James on Marvel and we Captain America lore and things has yeah. always been a, a pleasure of mine. We used to have massive debates in our, when, we, when we used to work together. We used to have massive debates going through all of these little plot holes. And you'd always ask me, but how does this make sense? And I'd be there scrambling, trying to find answers to all these questions. And... I, I think I did the same with this, and I, I know we we briefly touched it earlier. But the plot armor versus physical armor yeah. in the film, and and that final scene where he yeah. is back to Batman, punching bad guys, and the I, I enjoyed trying to to pull a rise out of James by saying like, "You've got guys with shotguns," and he's getting shot a lot in this scene, and he <laughs> has his entire jugular neck. Yeah lower jaw and eyes exposed i mean literally and people yeah, only earlier, shoot him in the chest earlier he literally takes a bomb to the face as well that at one point <laughs> and he's like yeah i'm okay I, think, I mean but you get away with it because yeah. the rest of the movie doesn't do too much of that so when it comes back to the plot armor of batman like you said <laughs> will it gets back to a bit of batman at its core well the whole movie itself is very different to the other mm-hmm. the other batmans in the franchise i think like what I love about this film as well is that that investigation side of it kind of does take quite a lot of focus. And it's like a lot of, obviously it being the Riddler, it takes a lot of like, oh, he's going to be solving these riddles. And like, I love the scene. My favorite scene in this is unfortunately the one where he does take a bomb to the face, but it's the one where he's like, oh, you're going to answer three riddles in two minutes. And like, he's like giving him these riddles being like, oh, what, what, what are are the answers to these? And I love that of him like thinking on the spot and being like, okay, well, I'm going to figure them out. Cause it's like, the guy who's got the bomb strapped to his chest kind of unsurprisingly is freaking out. Doing a like, poor I job. Can't, yeah, I can't <laughs> think of this, but it kind of shows how Batman's mind works and how sharp it is that he's able to just come up with these answers straight away. Because like first time I was watching, I had I was like kind of swept up in the moment of it and like didn't know the answers to these sort of <laughs> these questions, at least not at first. You'd Which I think basically exploded. means my head's going to explode, <laughs> I think. 
What do you guys think of the the performances in in this film? Kind of taken away from the the plot and stuff. Do you think Pattinson makes a good Batman? Uh, I think it's controversial to say yes, but I say yes. Yeah. I already exposed my my true feelings on what Batman should be, which is sad. Yeah. He should be sad, and I I just love Robert Pattinson just being real sad because it, <laughs> it's I don't know it's a little bit funny to me, but like it also I feel like it makes sense. I feel like. Bruce Wayne shouldn't have so much to live for. He all he has is Batman. Yeah. And if he's just like if he's able to put on I mean he says that his life is Batman. He views himself as Batman. I think that's kind of the whole thing. Yeah, Probably his like he's neurosis. lost the other side of him. Yeah. So yeah. I think bit. you feel that in the film because like <laughs> he comes out you spend majority of the time he's Batman and when he has to suit up as Bruce Wayne in a way it's kind of he's kind of an, he, he seems annoyed it. about it. He's like awful. he's, yeah. he's he seems like he he just doesn't want to be comfortable in yeah. that mask. Exactly, he's got so used to to the other mask. Yes, um, and I think it like it also plays really well. Like I think a lot of people complained is like, oh, Bruce Wayne shouldn't be like that, and it's like he's doing such a bad job as Bruce Wayne, and that's not what Batman would be like. But it's sort of integral to the, like it's not integral, but a part of the plot of this is that if he had been Bruce Wayne better. Maybe this wouldn't have been so bad. Yeah, it's uh, that it's that dichotomy across the, across the movie of him being like, "Am I vengeance or am I Batman?" Across am I the, vengeance? He's, like, he's not really he's not really sure. And I love that in the film you kind of that's that's probably one of the things that I love most about this movie is that it's this subtle undertone of him realizing how he can actually help this city and how he can actually enact change. Like you you see the first shot of this film or one of the very early scenes, and he destroys that guy's face, yeah. like, right at the start, and he yeah. says, I am vengeance, and obviously, he is... Also, there's so many th- things going through my mind about it's this. It's an but excellent first scene. It's a mm. great first scene. But it, what take I take away from that as well is that when he goes to the guy that he saves, the guy says to him, oh my God, please don't hurt me. And it's like, he's a normal citizen, and he is absolutely terrified, terrified of this guy who's just beaten up yeah. like 10 people sort he's of thing. Of the vigilante who shows up at night and dresses like a bat? Yeah. I would be this scared too. madman. Does he say anything to sort of no, calm don't. or comfort? He just... It just yeah. cuts away from it. So he's not even like, no, it's okay, I'm the good guy. He just leaves. Yeah, yeah. he just leaves and just disappears. Yeah, yeah. But I think, and like what you see, obviously, at the end of the film is this absolutely beautiful shot it's mm-hmm. unreal when he's in the water yeah. and he has the flare we've obviously talked about it a little bit earlier but he lights this flare with the red red like light of it and he's guiding all of these people and it's just such a and he's there trying to save as many people as he can mm-hmm. and it's just such a, t- a heel turn on obviously what he wants to do as his mission it's literally emerging a hero yeah, yes exactly, exactly. Yeah. it's almost like the Riddler's there trying to have this rebirth of the city sort of thing. And mm-hmm. in, in a way, he's had this rebirth of, of Batman. Which is why I turned on the end. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I think I checked out after, like, four-fifths of the movie. Maybe a little bit because it was a bit long. Yeah. Um, it's a long-ass it film. It is. That was one of the things that changed for me as well. Like, mm-hmm. I was sat there and I was like, oh, it is long. It's a long film. Are there, like, we have only touched on... Pattinson's performance so far. Yeah. Um, although, like, I guess the only two other performers you could talk about would be either uh, was Paul Dano and um, yeah Kravitz. I can't remember her first Zoe, name. Zoe, Zoe Kravitz. Kravitz. Yeah. 
I mean, I feel like those are the performances to talk about. I guess you could talk about Colin Farrell's, which yeah. actually, no, we really want to talk about Colin I Farrell's. I love Colin Farrell's Penguin. Incredible. I think he's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like, my favorite scene in that is that when Batman walks into the club as as Batman, he just punches the two guys, yeah. starts just immediately punching and beating up everybody in sight. And then you see Colin Farrell go, whoa, <laughs> slow down, sweetheart. Like, it is extremely good. It. Also, I feel like that should be a growing part point for Batman to when yeah. he decides, like, I'm never going through a front door again. Because you never see Batman go through front doors. What is he thinking? He goes yeah. through the ceiling every single time and disappears somehow. Yeah. So I think that was also a big point for Batman. I hope in the future ones, he never goes through a front door ever yeah. again. I hope so. He's like, that's it. I'm done with doors. I'm yeah. not going through those again. Completely humiliated. Yeah. Is, is there a skylight in the building? No. Then I, I, I can't, can't help. help. I'm sorry. <laughs> cool, cool Spider-Man or, I don't or know, anybody else. The tinge, like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The, the someone coming games, through the sewers. Yeah, There's not a skylight. The I'm out. You could call the police maybe. <laughs> um, another part, favorite part is where yeah. literally every policeman's chasing him in the precinct. I <laughs> love that scene so much because he's so panicked when he's running as well. And I, I love, it's really subtle, like, You've seen, obviously, we're talking about other Batmans as well. You've seen them obviously have this majestic first flight Mm -hmm. where they're like gliding around the city. And the Pattinson Batman, he literally, he just pulls up a little squirrel suit and he looks so uncomfortable. And there's obviously the moment where he's on top of the tower and he goes, oh, and he's like scared at how high it is. And I think that's great. Like as a first time sort of Batman person, it's a fantastic scene for me. I feel like embracing flying as the Batman uh, I feel like this is an excellent metaphor, even just for a little bit of the movie, and that he's like he's still coming into his own. Yeah, got to learn to fly. Absolutely, as a bat. Yeah, and then kill a penguin. And then kill a penguin. I love that the <laughs> penguin did a little penguin walk when yeah. he's tied up, and he's like, "You got to untie me." And he does a little <laughs> little penguin walk. I do think probably my favorite scene is when they're interrogating him. Um, the the whole uh, El La Rata. El Rata El La. Um, mostly mostly because of Colin uh, Farrell's performance he makes it he's very he's very good at this yeah um, have you seen like the the prosthetics and how long it takes to to obviously put on like no. if you google like colin farrell penguin and then colin farrell just regular and have them side by side he looks nothing like it it's it's absolutely amazing like feet of sort of this prosthetic process that Movie he goes magic. Through. yeah mm-hmm. it's, it's outrageous like it's, it's one of my favorite things about it mm-hmm. But I think it also speaks a bit to how, like, he's still very much coming into his own. He missed something huge, which would have been very big. Um, and I also think it goes into a good point to talking about how the Riddler um, sort of... I think it's a very interesting dynamic that the Riddler has with the Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, in that he's like, one, he's also insane. Um, but he's like a weird mirror to him, to the Batman. And that, like, is their own vigilante justice, like... Um, I don't know how you felt about that, but yeah, I, I loved it because it's like, as you say, they, they have similar upbringings where, where the Riddler's logic for me kind of falls down a little bit is that I think like he goes at it being like, oh, he's not a true orphan because obviously he's grown up in, in luxury and all of this and all of that. And like, it's to me, I'm kind of like, it doesn't matter any of the money in the world. Like you've lost two illusable things there. So it's like, it's. It's difficult. Like, I, I think his plan falls down a little bit there. But I think what's shocking about it is that they have similar upbringings where they're both orphans and they both have this, like, troubled past. And obviously, 
um, they go into it there. So I think like the Riddler is obviously looking at Batman being like, oh, we're the same. Like me and you, we're, mm-hmm. we're this. And like, we're like, we're in this together. And I love that he's like, Bruce is like kind of forced to look at himself and mm-hmm. look at the Batman and be like, actually, I'm not like you and I don't want to be like you. But I think he's in that scene in the prison. He, I think he's, he's shocked. Yeah, yeah, he's like, he's shocked at how similar they actually are. And like, I think that's the real moment of change for him where he's, he is, it changes how he sees himself and like his mission about like what he wants to do. Oh, for sure. I mean, like, I think, I think Dano's uh, portrayal, I think a lot of people are a bit polarized on it. You get a lot of people who think he did an amazing job. I think he did a very good job. And then some people who think he'd overacted a bit. I think there's one interview in particular that people meme on. Yeah. Um, no, no, <laughs> no. I, lo- I really like that scene. Yeah. But uh, I I was wondering if you had any, like, there's some, one thing that I noticed in this movie was the, like, attempts to semi-modernize it, I think f- sort of fell a bit flat. Riddler Twitch streamer. Yeah. A plus. <laughs> I, what well, like, I think, like, if we're talking about, like, Paul Dano, Dano's performance as a whole, I, I will talk about, like, how convincing he is as a villain, but... I fucking I think like if in this universe he'd watched the Joker, I feel like he, he is trying to emulate him. Yes. And he is failing. Like you watch him on Twitch streams and he's there like, Hi guys, yeah, so <laughs> so bring your rifles and like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna like do this horrible thing. Hey guys, it's Nicole. It's Nicole. <laughs> and I think he just fails at that so badly. And I love that that he isn't as sleek and as suave as the Joker would be, sort of thing. He is there like He's a nerd. He's yeah. a fucking nerd. Like yeah. he's, and I love that. Like it is, this is what every person who makes a Joker meme yeah. is probably going to be like, just not as smart. Does he, does he work for a villain for you guys in this film? Like how evil on a scale of one to grandpa Joe is he, is he, is he, is he, is he like quite villainized or like, what, what do you feel? He's not for a villain. He's not that. Not villainous. as bad as, as, as I mean the Joe. mass murder of the city. Yeah, are. I know you would all put Grandpa Joe on a worse level than mass murder of the city. I don't think there's and many in this, people worse than Grandpa. In Joe. this instance, I would agree because it is he's unhealthy as well. Is is a large part yeah. of it. I think it. that's underselling it. Yeah, <laughs> you definitely have an element of sympathy in, in a way. Um, he's not a a vicious, malicious villain. Mm-hmm. Well, he is. But he does murder. Yeah. But I know what you're talking about. Like it's he, he was doing, he's, he's trying to make to, Gotham better. In his, in his world. I think vibes. in his world, he is the hero and yeah. he is like trying to enact his version of justice is exactly. what he wants to, is what he wants to go at. Uh, and to him, he's like, he's looking at both Batman and Riddlers and they're both acting out of vengeance and hurt. And it's like they, he's, he's connecting the two of those and being like, we're the same. Like, we need to break the system to yeah. remake the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's why it works with the whole drowning the, the city. It's like that kind of baptism to, to like... It's very it a new... biblical when you put it like that. Yeah. The, the great flood. It's all Shakespeare, the Bible, and myth, I think it is. So Batman is building an ark i guess yeah i guess so it's kind of, it, it kind of madison is. square garden yeah. being the ark is it, it's not madison square garden is it? it's like gotham some, square garden gotham, is it gotham square oh if it is gotham circular garden <laughs> would you would you change anything or is there anything that could make the movie better for you i think it's probably a a short answer question for this one from from what you spoke about but i think 
to be honest, there are things that I would change about this and definitely on rewatch. I know I kind of alluded to the level of plot armor that he does have in this film does take me out of it just Mm -hmm. a little bit, just enough where you go, ah, okay. He did get shot 18 times. Yeah, he gets shot a lot and he's like, there are points where he's like winded and he's like really, you can tell that he felt that. But I think for the most part, what, and I think the first time I watched it, I remember thinking to myself, I'm not that bothered about the physical side of it. Like the threat of the film to me isn't, at least in this film, isn't a physical threat. So I'm not so bothered about the physical side of it. It's more a psychological, oh, it's a mystery. And like, he's trying to save people. So what I would change, I think, is like a couple of the scenes for me, the suspension of disbelief is a little bit too far. Like when Alfred, like the one that's jumped into mind is when Alfred literally has a bomb in his yes. hand and he throws it across the room and he's like kind of fine. I think what would have been more powerful in that is that you just, Kill you'd have, if you'd have just done him driving the Batmobile and then you get a call and he's like, oh, you've got to get through to Alfred and they just say, oh, an accident's happened. And then you just show him in the hospital bed. I don't think you had to show him holding the bomb and being like him throwing it across the room as if it's like a paperweight sort of thing. I think that would have maybe enhanced it a little bit. I don't know how you guys feel about that, if you agree or, or disagree, but... I like being able to see that you think... Well, no, I don't like thinking like, oh, they're going to kill Alfred, but I yeah. like seeing... I like Batman so desperately trying to stop it from Yeah, happening. I love that. The whole, yeah, him driving like... The one person to, he's got left. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think having an explosion happen on him and him just be totally fine is like, you can't do that twice in a movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, they do pull that trick a lot. Mm-hmm. One of the things like I love about, we haven't really spoken about Andy Serkis's uh, uh, performances as, as Alfred. It's a great performance. <laughs> and what always gets me is like, you have this, this bit where he's obviously been blown up by a bomb and he's in the hospital bed and he wakes up and Bruce is there and he's sat by his side and Andy Serkis smiles at him and Bruce goes, you lied to me. <laughs> like, and Andy Serkis's face just changes and he's like, oh, oh no. Like, and I always find that funny because it's like, it's just such an innocent smile of like, you came. Mm-hmm. It's like, you lied to me. <laughs> I mean, I think there's, I think there's a lot you could change about the Catwoman sort of side of the story. Yeah. Um, I think she's super cool. I think it's a really cool idea. And I like how many cats are on screen. Yeah. It's going to say you guys Big must have loved that. Mm-hmm. I love the line where she's like, he's like, it's meant to be a joke, obviously. Like, one of the things I love about Bruce Wayne in this film, going back to that slightly, is that he's so, he's so clearly yeah. never done this before, that mm-hmm. like romantic sort of back and forth and flirting. And like, I love that the cats are walking around. And he just goes, you got a lot of cats. <laughs> and she's like, but I love the line straight after that where she goes, I got a thing about strays. And I really like that because mm. it's like she's taken in her friend who's yeah. like obviously scared for her life. And it's like quite thematically quite nice. Exactly. There. But yeah, his his joke delivery could probably use a little bit of little bit of work. There. No, I don't it's know. perfect <laughs> the way it is. I think, I think low Riz Batman is exactly where it should be. It's what we want. Mm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think... In terms of like, I'm just trying to think of other changes of like things that, that could have been done. I think if you can't think of anything, yeah, you're good. It's, 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 yeah. Sure. Shall we transition out of the Batman? Boys, <laughs> final segment of the show. Uh, we're just going to talk about things that are either on our radar or things that we have watched this week. Uh, Mark, what have you been watching this week? What's up? What uh, so I'm watching a show called The Magicians, which I quite like. It's like Narnia 
meets um, Dirk Gently, Holistic Detective, if you've ever seen that. That's not where I thought it was going to go. Yeah, not even slightly where I thought it was It's really good. It's very odd, quite strange, and obviously it's about magic, but it's very different. I know we spoke about Harry Potter, but very different in terms of the magic is very limited and very difficult to achieve, Mm. and it's different to the shows i usually watch so i've watched quite a bit of k-drama yeah recently and then this is like the polar opposite is very american but there's a lot of pop culture references in there and things so they reference xoxo gossip girl Mm. we've never seen gossip girl but for some reason absolutely love when people (laughs) reference that so yeah the magicians it's good i'm only like five episodes in honestly no idea i'm not one of those people who who checks i just go into something and then get really disappointed when there's no next episode (laughs) button on netflix um this isn't on netflix but yeah it's it's good and dirk gently holistic detective (laughs) five episodes five seasons okay i was gonna say if i've watched the last episode already i'm gonna cry (laughs) but dirk gently holistic detective Mm. is one i've Rewatched as well, not that long ago. Can I might say, have even mentioned it. Can you say Dirk Gently Holistic Detective again? Dirk yeah. Gently Holistic Detective. Kind of like it. it rolls off the um, it's very good. It's got Frodo in it. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> Elijah Wood. Yes, he's <laughs> he's in it. But it's it's good. Worth a watch. It's on Netflix. Very weird, weird and wacky. But yeah, like I say, it's that meets Narnia in in this show. Oh, give it a watch. Was there anything else you were like thinking about watching, or you've been like kept, got on your Got on your eye or watch list? Uh, no, I don't think so. Watch wise, I think that's all that I'm. I've just oh, that's a lie. Just finished the newest season of Always Sunny. So like that, it's the last two or three seasons have yeah. not been as good. Mm. But for a show to have run this long and not have completely put me off is incredible. Like we were saying about movies, it's so difficult to get past. There's so many trilogies and. Quadrigies, tetrigies that just drop off after the second yeah. and for always sunny to be going 15 16 seasons strong and still be captivating me is something that i really like watch the latest season of that big fan and also started watching the second to last season mm-hmm. of sex ed oh no this the is latest the, season of sex ed to this, come out. oh yeah yeah that's it was going to be on my list as well to talk about like the final season of sex education is out uh i've watched i think i've watched the first episode and no spoilers again i'm still you. a season behind so yeah, please yeah. don't no nothing no spoilers but it's they they do a lot of different things in the first episode and I think it's quite it's quite good. Like it's quite quite it's quite good. Um, I've I've heard that the season gets very good overall, like throughout as you go on. It's genuinely, I think, probably one of my favorite ever Netflix shows. When do I you learn about the gonads? You learn about them very quickly. I think about okay. six seconds into episode one, That's you helpful. learn about mm-hmm. the gonads. <laughs> it's it's genuinely. I think that show is just fantastic. It's mm-hmm. so heartfelt. Like there are so moments in it. I think. It's. I think we spoke about it years ago when it came out. We were talking oh, yeah. about that and Big Mouth, and they're very different uh, yeah. ways of talking about yeah. obviously sex and and that side of education of it. But I think both in their own right are great. Uh, but sex education, it just hits on a lot of family like things and like how it affects and like how sexuality affects people in a really good way. We're progressing as society, but there is still a taboo around talking yeah. about sex as well. So to have a show that helps just make it less so it's got to be better for people who live or are brought up in families where it is still taboo and reserved to just talk about things and 
That is the whole premise of the show, isn't it? It's yeah. Teenagers are going to be doing this, so might as, well. might as well educate them. Yeah. I think, like, I'm really glad that they got a final season to mm. wrap up everything. Like, my worry with a lot of Netflix shows is so many of them just get cancelled yeah. before. Other things that I've been watching this week oh. uh one of them is the new wes anderson movie uh so it's mm. the wonderful story of henry sugar i've seen uh, it on Netflix. it's based on a raul dahl book it's only 40 minutes long oh, and oh, it's wow. raul, oh. raul dahl uh cumberbatch dahl. right cumberbatch yeah cumberbatch yeah. ray fines yeah richard O'Reilly's in it as well oh wow yeah oh, cool. so it's it's pretty good it's really small quaint it's keeps you invested for 40 minutes it's very quick paced so i quite enjoyed that it's great and then finally, the other film that I watched this week was The Creator. I don't know if you guys have seen it advertised. I have no idea what Quite is. a big budget blockbuster one. That it's got came the guy out. from Sicario. And uh, did you watch Tenet? Yes. Yeah. So it's John David Washington. It's a uh, yeah Denzel Washington. I feel like son. it keeps popping up on yeah. my. Yeah. It's uh. It's basically the plot kind of summary is um. It's like a world where. AI and human like they developed AI it became really good and they became like robots became part of like the normal human nature but then something happens which means that the humans turn on the AI and the AI are like ah and they don't want to fight and they don't want to be in this war but they there's like a massive war waging on between humans and AI now and it's like about yeah the the, the premise is that uh the AI have a, apparently quote-unquote developed a weapon that will end human existence and then it's like about them trying to stop that weapon from from going off and yeah there's a lot of interesting perspectives i think the the perspective of the film is unfortunately better than what was, the actual film is i was about to I say think. like i feel like this feels like a great way to start a very redundant like ai human mm. like sort of treaded old ground yeah kind of movie i think Terminator. the, the, the it's themes just on in the terminator it? again yeah mm. The themes are in it are really good. And I think they do have the problem. Like, I think the problem for me was they doubled down very hard on one specific angle, which I'm not going to talk about, but it's like, it makes it very hard to take it all seriously. Mm. It's like, yeah, it's, I can't really talk about it without completely spoiling it. So I'll, I will leave it there and maybe we'll talk about it next week when more people have a chance to see it, but CGI in it. Fantastic. Uh, the like some of the shots are fantastic and it's really great stories a little bit it's not that it's not as good as it should probably could have been but <laughs> if the robots win maybe i'll be into it mm. Mm. That's all no, no spoilers for me, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> but what about but yeah what what about you uh, what's what have you been up to i've watched one thing Ooh. i finished the bear which oh is yeah super good yeah um it New was season yeah, yeah i had not watched the first season and then just suddenly, I don't know how I decide and pick things, but it was like bear now. And then yeah. bear, yes, now yeah. is so good. Uh, like nothing but praise. It's very, very good. Yeah. There, I I nearly shed a tear to Taylor Swift's love story in that uh -huh. sh in that show yeah. because oh, of how God. good it was. It is, they're very good. It, the writing is excellent. It's very emotional, isn't it? That I like that, it a lot, yeah. yes. I need to watch this. Yeah. Especially as it's got Taylor Swift in it, which The Magicians also does. Yeah. <laughs> the, to say that a thing has Taylor Swift in it and Mark will watch I'm in. Yeah. My, wanna, I only went to my mate's wedding the other week because his bride walked down the aisle to Taylor Swift. Mm, with Taylor I said Swift. I wasn't going otherwise, but I was there <laughs> because of that. Uh, do you want to give like a very quick uh, sort yes. of overview of what, what, um, what it's about? So a um, a sort of world-renowned chef, someone who's like best new chef of this year, yeah, um, 
goes back to his hometown of Chicago. It's a very, very Chicago centric yeah. um, TV show uh, to take over for his brother's failing beef sandwich store after his brother dies. Yeah. And it's just about this family that is falling apart yeah. and him struggling to deal with this terrible, terrible restaurant which yeah. he wants to save and bring back as of course. a coping mechanism of his brother dying yeah and then all sorts of fun heartfelt yeah. things and like it is it's written uh i would say very realistically mm. and that like i don't know i just i really like the writing in this, in yeah. this show i've heard like i said i've heard nothing but praise from it very good is the is the food do they do like a good job depicting the food yeah. i mean the first season i would actually say not a whole lot second okay. season they really go yeah. hard on it which uh i mean i i'm actually like i'm not watching it for that i don't care a whole lot about it mm. only when you animate food is when i care <laughs> but uh it, it is very much like ooh, that looks cool maybe i'll like Try to do something, and then you make a Spanish omelet in the kitchen. It goes terribly. <laughs> inspires <laughs> um, you properly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it inspires me to to get egg all over my <laughs> face. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. But no, highly recommend it. It's an exceptional piece of television. Yeah, I really, I really, it's on my, it's very high up my list to go and watch, and maybe I'll watch it this week. Cause I've had a few people like come to me and be like, "You need to watch this." And it's so good. Well, you can add me to the list. Yeah, you I'll need to watch this. It's so good. <laughs> I like that. I think that's the. I think that's the show. I think we've got. We're done now. We, need. we are done. Um, uh, as you know, we're on Instagram, and if you want to get in touch with the show, just drop us a message on there. Uh, if you want to come on, we're always looking for new guests to to get involved. So if you've got a movie or TV show that you're deeply passionate about, no books, no books, no <laughs> books. We're not doing books today. Uh, if you've got a movie or TV show that you're passionate about, uh, whether it's for like heartfelt reasons, whether it's for funny reasons, whether it's and you just want to talk and rant about anything come on uh, get in touch with us and i will book you in for a interview slot that's the show i hope you guys enjoyed it we are out so that's see the you next we time. say at the end we yeah. are out we're done we do need to we're gone what do you want to say at the end bye. Need a bye. that's the way the news goes. that's we can't do that the way the cookie no. crumbles that copyrighted? No, i mean mm. <laughs> might get into some legal trouble get a, get a get, like get our own feeling you know bye <laughs>